My name is Sally Hellingston, and I am the chapter president of Women's Energy Network Colorado. WENCO provides networking and leadership opportunities for women and men working in the energy industry. This podcast is dedicated to sharing stories of leaders who have shown resiliency in their career, their personal life, and even their communities. We hope these episodes inspire resiliency in your own life. So let's do this. Today's episode is brought to us by Dress for Success Denver. Since 2006, Dress for Success Denver has transformed the lives of over 16,000 women and distributed more than $1 million in clothing and accessories. DFS provides at-risk women with job readiness tools, professional attire, and post-employment support to assist them in their efforts to achieve economic independence. DFS collaborates with over 200 local partners that connect women to their programs and services, including domestic abuse shelters, halfway houses, homeless shelters, and county workforce centers. They offer a second chance to women who seek to change their economic situation and make a better life for themselves and their families. DFS programs help their clients to become employed, stay employed, achieve promotions and raises, participate in valuable networking and leadership opportunities, strengthen financial literacy, and embrace lifelong learning as they move towards economic independence. To learn more about ways that you can support DFS, visit denver.dressforsuccess.org. So today we get to talk to Kaylee Van Cleve, co-founder and vice president of Iridium Recruiting. As the fourth generation of her family in energy, Kaylee has worked hands-on in the industry for most of her career. Prior to founding Iridium, she served as the vice president in two previous staffing agencies where she supported companies in the oil and gas and energy industries with sourcing and landing top industry talent for their organizations. The other fun fact about Kaylee is that she is the current uh, incoming president-elect for WEN Colorado. So welcome, Kaylee. Thanks for joining today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm enjoying my 1030 a.m. Rosé glass of wine. This is a very exciting day for both of us because we did try and record this before with an app that may not have been the best, unfortunately. Um, but this is, we get to see each other. I know, we get to have round two and in person. This I is know. so much fun, post like crazy COVID. Well, not necessarily post, but yeah. yeah well, post crazy COVID, you're right, you're yeah. right. Post so, lockdown. Yeah, well, and so that kind of leads us into what our discussion is gonna be about today. Obviously you have the background of recruiting and um, helping placement, job mm-hmm. placement, and also coaching people on what they need to be doing moving forward. So we're going to dive into that a bit. Right now, before we do that, can you just give us a quick little update of the reality of the current and future energy market and what you're seeing on your side? Yeah. Um, so it's it's been a shit show, um, mm-hmm. to be quite fair, for a lot of people, and especially in the energy space. Um, so, you know, over the past like 60 days to 90 days, a lot of people have been experiencing, of course, the burden of layoffs um, kind of across the board. So nobody was really spared um, on that front. Unfortunately, that meant that there was quite a bit of change, um, you know, for everybody on an individual basis and also on a family basis and things along those lines. But I do think, um, you know, a lot of like the jobs that were out there um, beginning of kind of January for the industry, I think were put on hold. So people probably were finding themselves in some stage of the interview process or search if they were kind of kicking off at the beginning of 2020 thinking, yeah, I get to go have that new job that I'm looking for. Um, so they might have found themselves a little bit stalled out. Um, so yeah, we're seeing that. Um, and then we're seeing, I think, here recently, in the last like two weeks, there's a little bit more activity um, from the company's side where people are now saying, you know, maybe we should reopen the door Maybe we laid off too many people. We're kind of struggling in the accounting or we're struggling in the engineering teams or ops teams a little bit more. So, yeah. Do you think it was like a little bit of a panicked reaction? In the Absolutely. Yeah. I wish it wasn't the case, mm-hmm. but that tends to be how we react. Um, and also just it usually, you know, with the different layoffs in oil and gas, we're pretty reactionary. Um, but then you add the pandemic on top of that and the, you know, the overall like unemployment and crisis that kind of folded in. Mm -hmm. So it was a bullshit show. So people were making quick, you know, quick delineations, even companies that thought that they weren't going to be doing downsizes on the front end of it ended up having to kind of force the hand on certain teams. So it was kind of unfortunate. We know that oil and gas is being hit hard. Is there a certain area of our industry that you think is being hit the hardest? Um, nobody is definitely immune. Even your lead operators that have been like mainstays here in the state of Colorado, like Noble and and Oxy and Darko now, and 
that type of thing, they are even being hit hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Extraction. I mean, everybody that, you know, usually, you know, when a downturn happens historically, you know, it's been the oil field services teams and the consulting groups and engineering teams that really take the biggest burden out of, you know, out of that hit to the marketplace. You know, they reduce their costs and try to get by with fewer people and fewer things and, you know, maybe rely more heavily on technology improvements to hopefully become more competitive. Um, and you're seeing that still, but you're seeing it kind of ebb into the operator side and the midstream companies are even struggling because if the operators aren't producing, then the trickle down effect is that they don't need the same takeaway capacities. And so mm-hmm. some of those contracts are going to need to get renegotiated between midstream and upstream. So it, there is nobody that's safe at this point in time. Um, in the marketplace. So the people who I think will thrive the best will be the ones that have a little bit more diversity. And also the same thing with from an actual employee standpoint, if you have a wider kind of background or wider scope, you're going to become more and more valuable because companies are going to continue to kind of consolidate. And also then you can kind of, you know, you can juggle a little bit better. And so I, I think that's one of the big things that we'll see shift in our industry is you will you'll hopefully have people that are a little bit more well-rounded. So it'll come like full circle from where it used to be, where, you know, an engineer, there wasn't a difference between a production engineer and drilling engineer and, you know, reservoir engineer. You just were, you know, petroleum engineer. You did kind of the full gamut. You might see that kind of style come back again. That leads uh, great into our next section. Yay! Yeah, okay. thank you for teeing me up for that without even knowing it. Yeah. Um, but no, so you recently submitted uh, the top five tips in job hunting for mm-hmm. our Instagram, for OneCo's Instagram. Um, one was take time to self-assess. Two, don't go it alone. Three, flexibility is key. Four, upskill during the in-between, which is mm-hmm. what you kind of just alluded to now. And then five, have grace with yourself. So what I'd like to do is dive into each of those a bit. First, so first of all, let's let's talk about somebody that just got laid off or knows that they're about to get laid off. What's the first step? First step, you know, take a knee, take a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it's so emotionally charged. Um, it's 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 a loss. I mean, it really is like a grieving process to kind of come through it. Um, you know, a lot of times people feel, you know there's an emotional charge with it. Like, did, was, did I do something wrong? Like, why was my name on the list? Like I've given so much to the company because, you know, people contribute um, a significant portion of their everyday lives to, you know, to the organization that they're working with and the team that they work with. And a lot of times people kind of get so caught up in like being part of the community and working on the big, you know, the big project and the big wins of the company that to see it, you know, be removed from that process by not their own choice is really tough. So I think one of the biggest things that we run into, even in our private coaching with candidates in in oil and gas and energy in general, is that you really have to take the time to work through it. You know, grab a journal, journal it out or diary or whatever you're supposed to say. I journal a lot, so I sound like a dork, but um, I work through a lot of my emotions and and, um, head trash and stuff like that in the journal. It's a great safe place to put something so that way it's not out there in the rest of the world. (laughs) Well, especially as adults because when we were younger kids and your mom or somebody always went through your diary, it just wasn't as safe. (laughs) It gets safer as you become an adult, you know? One would hope. One would hope in theory. Um, You know, or like, you know, talk to your friends and family and and use them as like sounding boards and have them help help you work through the tragedy that you just experienced, you know, and um, keep in mind that you're not alone. There's a lot of people that are going through this and it doesn't diminish how difficult it can be for you. Um, but it, it should give you a sense of um, kind of, you know, support knowing that like this was not specifically your fault. Mm-hmm. It's not that you were fired from the job for a wrongdoing or anything along those lines. You were unfortunately part of the downsizing, you know, so regroup and then use that time to, you know, really assess, you know, what was really working for you and what really wasn't. So I think a lot of times people romanticize their past job in a layoff situation um, initially. And then when they kind of get over the, the, the emotional turmoil, then they start to look at it more from a, um, like a analytical standpoint and say, you know, I really did love my team and these are the elements that I loved about it, but there were some things that maybe could have been different and that Mm -hmm. I would like to see be different in my next job or my next company that I work with or my next location or 
you know, function, whatever it might be. Well, and I think assessing those helps you in the job interview too, oh, which God, we'll talk yeah. about later, but absolutely. And then you don't bring the baggage to the job interview. So you're not exactly. like, you know, having all that like negative energy and saying, you know, I've been laid off and they, you know, the whole story, you know, nobody wants to sit down in an interview process with you because both sides of the table have been experiencing layoffs, right? You might mm-hmm. be getting interviewed by somebody who also had had a layoff scenario in their background. And it's really unbecoming to come into the conversation and have that tone and that negativity come through. It totally sucks. Don't do it. It's, yeah. Yeah. Let it all out let before you get there. <laughs> do a let little, is it Elsa from Frozen? Just let it go. Just let it go. Have <laughs> yeah. a drink, you know, enjoy yourself a little bit. You can have your, you know, your sad cry on your bathroom floor and then, you know, pick yourself back up and go, go be, you know, cheerful and, and hopeful for your upcoming interview. Which I like that you had that positive moment, like your upcoming interview. Your You're upcoming get interview. One. You're Don't. totally going to get one. It will happen. It just might take a little bit longer than you think. Yeah. Like the average time frame for a job search Guess how long you think it might be? I was going to say anywhere from nine to 18 months. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. It's well over five months. When you hear people or you ask questions about um, to individual job seekers, they usually say, oh, it'll be like 60 days. It'll be like three months. That might be from the hiring standpoint to fill the role. But for you as the actual job seeker, it is substantially longer process. And so if you understand that it's not a sprint and it's a marathon, and that you you know it's going to take a couple a couple interviews to get where you're going and it might be longer windows between those interviews right now because of the pandemic you just need to you know kind of get get your mindset that that is kind of where you're headed and then you know approach it with a positive attitude that says wow i got an interview mm-hmm. do you think that's great with knowing that timeline mm-hmm. that it's over 5 months do you think it's a bad thing to start at least looking while you currently have a job cuz i've oh, always no. Yeah. Like yeah. Start doing it. Start doing it. Start doing it. Even if it doesn't like if even if you keep your job, mm-hmm. knowing I think brushing up on those skills of how to job hunt, maybe doing an interview. Oh, yeah. And then knowing what you're worth at another company so that if you do stay with the job, maybe there's some opportunity to negotiate there yourself is. in your current role. Yeah. And it also keeps you, you know, kind of keeps you fresh. Like mm-hmm. it's a great way to always kind of have in the back of your mind that you will in all honesty probably jump jobs like most people jump jobs within a you know 3 to 5 year time frame so if you only ever do interviews every 5 years damn you're going to be rusty like <laughs> make sure you get out there and at least check out and see what things are you know available in the marketplace on a, an ongoing ba- basis maybe like once every 2 years at, at minimum mm-hmm. well so that kind of leads into the don't go it alone not only no which is number two, um, and not only from friends and family, coworkers, peers, et cetera, but you, I think you alluded to maybe, maybe hire a coach, you know, a job coach and, and practice those mock interviews. Yeah. So it sounds really weird to do coaching, right. To be like, I'm going to hire a coach, but you hire a personal trainer um, to get in shape and a therapist. And, you know, here's the thing. It's like, um, you have a great tribe around you, right? You're going to have your friends, you're going to have your family, you're going to have your professional network. Um, and those those people are great, but they're close to you. And so a lot of times they don't give you the kind of candid feedback. I was going to say they're biased. They're biased. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're biased in your favor, which is a beautiful way to be, right? Mm-hmm. You want to, if you're going to have somebody biased, of course you want them to be in your favor, <laughs> right? right? Um, but you also kind of need to um, maybe bring in somebody who is not always in your pocket. So when they look at your resume, they're not like, oh yeah, this looks fine. This is great, Sally, or whatever it might be, you know? Um, But they might say, hey, have you thought about reframing your um, position um, to be a little bit more um, strategic um, and maybe not so much like a job description on your resume, but maybe highlight some of those big wins that you did for the company and what you've brought to the bottom line for them or you've brought to their growth. Um, So you need somebody that's a third party. Um, that doesn't have to be a professional coach like like us at Iridium, but it can be somebody that is a good confidant um, that understands your industry. So make sure that you choose somebody that has the technical understanding of where you're coming from and knows what you do and kind of could help guide you in the industry itself. Um, so I think that industry knowledge, because you might not be aware of different opportunities you might say, oh, God, I haven't thought about doing, you know, engineering for an engineering services group versus, you know, being in-house and what the difference and pros and cons and how you would approach them between the two or mm-hmm. maybe land, you know, land use. 
is something that's out there across a variety of components and energy. There's land use needs and, you know, not only just pure traditional kind of oil and gas landmen and tidal work and stuff like that, there's also environmental leaning stuff um, in, you know, kind of the consulting services side. There's tons of stuff in power and utility and solar and, you know, alternatives. It's amazing. Um, so there's a lot of crossover that you might not be aware of for new opportunities. And I feel like that might go into your uh, number three where flexibility is key. Is that yeah. what you're alluding to? Yeah. Like, yes? Be flexible. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, ha ha ask for help, you know, uh, have like those tough conversations with people and say, great, how do I get from point A to point B? And that might be going through C and D. Like yeah. you might have to go around Robin a little bit to get there. You know, like we, Whitney always um, jokes that like, Career. And quick, quick side note, Whitney is her sister oh, yeah. slash business partner. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Side note, Whitney, um, who I've worked with in like three different companies now because um, <laughs> we can't get a job by herself, supposedly. <laughs> it's like the running joke. Um, anyways, what she says is that um, careers are no longer like ladders that you climb up anymore. They're definitely like more winding paths or, you know, kind of trails. So you just kind of have to, you know, you have to explore. Mm -hmm. So being flexible is key. That might mean like if you are in this downturn right now, um, you know, that might mean taking a look at a job outside of the industry um, and having some grace with yourself and, you know, asking for permission from yourself to, you know, take that that scary jump to go out and find a job for just right now that helps you in the short term while you get your feet under you and then come back in and find that like key next step. And that's okay. And yeah. that's totally doable. It's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be doing. So you, it doesn't have the negative kind of connotation that it used to like 10 years ago to do that. Well, and I think, you know, we have talked about this before offline, uh, but about being a little bit more humble too mm -hmm. and realizing that in this time, if you want to stay in the industry, you might have to not want the title so badly and you might have to take a step down to stay in it. Yeah. And I think that's okay. That's totally okay. Like if you are getting like real with yourself, you know, saying like, do I love this industry enough to stay here and like grind it out during the next rebuild and be a part of that and find my spot, you know, as one of the cornerstones for a company, but that might look different. That might be a demotion. That might be a, a functional transition to a new team. You know, is it worth it for me? And if it is, and that's where you see yourself um, in the future, then yeah, you're going to have to take that step back. Mm -hmm. But do it with the, you know, with the idea that, you know, it is going to help position you for the future. So it might be a sidestep, but not, not too bad. And one of the things that I have a note on is, you know, like everybody has these five-year goals, right? Oh God, I hate not the five-year goal thing, but yeah, so traumatizing. <laughs> What's really your five-year goal? And you're like, fuck, I have no idea. Exactly. Um, or like yeah. when they ask you in, in an interview, where do you want to be in three or five years? I'm like, I totally I, lead with that. No, I don't. But do you, <laughs> no, I, I hate that question. Oh, yeah. It's like one of the worst questions in HR history. HR I, is fun. Great. <laughs> great questions, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole other podcast as well. Like, Right. <laughs> how do you handle the questions that you just don't give a fuck about? I know. I love that we call it human resources. Like human capital like it, they're people they're like they're actual people not just humans not like a species it's so weird that we phrase it that way but whatever side um, note well so let's say a lot of people do have this plan for their life for mm -hmm. their career you've already mentioned that it's not a ladder anymore it's more of a hey like it could be a different trail it could be a river whatever it is um it's not going to look the same so how do you plan for that can you like mm -hmm. how do people become okay with making more short-term goals and instead of long-term and how could those short-term goals kind of, I guess, feed into the long-term at some point? Oh Any yeah. Advice on that? Yeah. Um, I actually, it's way more valuable than you think it is. So I think a lot of times people handicap themselves by saying, look, I am, I'm a petroleum engineer. I went to a mines, Colorado school of mines, whatever, whatever mines school you went to or technical school of some kind. And they're all great. And there's no difference between them. Well, actually, that's not true. Oh, so there's so a lot you, of people that are going to disagree listeners. with me. <laughs> um, I'm joking. There's there's definitely differences. But um, the idea being like you have a roadmap that you're kind of spoon fed that this is what it looks like. I'm going to start as a petroleum engineer. I'm going to go start out in the field. I'm going to learn it from the field level up. Right. Build my rapport with the operations teams, understand what's going on, you know, from drilling. Then I'm going to do a rotation of some kind. Um, into another uh, segment that might have me, you know, kind of working with reservoir so I can see what that's all about. And on the reservoir side, I might be looking at, 
you know, actual reservoir engineering, or I might look at corporate reserves. And then eventually I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to become a manager and then I'm going to, you know, become an asset manager. And then I'm going to go from being the asset manager because everybody loves asset groups and everything like that. Right. It was super, super trendy there for a while here. Um, and then we're going to, and then I'm going to go and become a vice president. Right. And then I'm going to go from the VP and I'm going to go start a private equity company, um, with a group of the other VPs that I've worked with and built, um, and become CEO, you know, that was the traditional trajectory that's been kind of spoon fed to our, our people, right. Our, our young guns as they're coming out. Um, and it still is a viable option. It's just, there's different ways to do it now. Mm -hmm. Like, it's cool. Like, that's a great storyline. And we highlight those storylines all the time with like magazines and articles and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's, it's a great way to go, but there's so many other ways that people are doing it. that are far more intriguing. So like you might end up, you know, working for a technology company for a while. Well, heck that's like super helpful. You know, all of the programming languages, you know, SQL is really helpful to, you know, kind of use, you know, we had this like request that, um, kind of started popping up a couple of years ago where they wanted reservoir engineers that knew how to code in Python. Okay. You told like a traditional you know, PE guy that he was going to end up coding in Python, you know, seven years ago, he'd be like, what the hell is Python? Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different routes to go. And what people forget is all these different quote unquote detours or sidesteps that you're taking actually make you more sellable for your future opportunity along your goal path. Because you can say, look, this is what, these are the weird skills that I picked up and how they can be totally useful for you as my new employer. Um, and having the story to pitch that to a new employer makes you stand out because you're not doing the traditional stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a really unique story then. And you can enter into a team and have a totally different lens to view solving problems for that organization that if you would have been in the same traditional tribe, might not have been there. Right, right. Which I think this goes into the next uh, mm -hmm. tip that you had, number oh. four, which was upskill during the in-between. Mm -hmm. So you obviously have already alluded to this to a few times, but make yourself more marketable. Yeah. And learn a new skill or, you know, add to your toolbox, right? Right. So how, how would you recommend doing that? Um, there's a lot of ways. I mean, we live in a time, I mean, obviously we live in a very interesting virtual time right now. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of virtual learning, right? So you can just explore and be curious. I think. Well, one um, of the, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but one yeah. of the things uh, we both listened to this podcast the other day and one of the things they mentioned was even LinkedIn learning. Oh my God. It's so cool. Have you ever gone down the rabbit hole in that? Yeah, I have actually. So, <laughs> so I am cool. fortunate right now where I have the ability to have that paid for me by my company, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. But like the marketing side of it, I'm like, I sit there and I find myself like an hour later after I've watched all these videos, I was like, what just happened? I don't know, but I know how to do it now, which is great. <laughs> um, so, and you know, one of our other partners, obviously, um, the Global Energy Management Program mm -hmm. is doing a lot of online certificate courses and non-degree courses. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think the online learning is is great. But it's super great. Like they have that new data analytics um, program that I think they're doing for like what six weeks or something like that during the it's summer. Four weeks, yep. And it starts in a couple of I think when this episode drops, it'll be yeah. See, Sorry, this is when yeah. you need Sarah to like jump in. Sarah Dardowski and be like, so this is what's actually part of this program as we terribly pitch it. <laughs> we'll, we'll put the link in the episode We'll put notes. the link, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, so there's, there's those hard skills that you can still mm -hmm. expand your toolbox with, like the online learning. But then what about soft skills? Like how do you, do you think those are important to develop? Yep. Well, then, I think they're even more valuable in all honesty. So if you have to think about it from the standpoint that moving forward, most hiring managers are going to see hundreds of, of people apply, right? Um, so if you are fortunate enough to get into a interview process, the thing that is going to, you know, once you hit that point, people understand that, you know, there, there is the assumption that you have all the needed skills, right? From a technical skills capability. That's why you're in the conversation. What really makes you stand out and helps you get to that, you know, that number one slot for the hire or number two, you know, running, you know, second base sucks in this scenario, but or runner up, I'm terrible at sports analogy. So I probably just <laughs> butchered that. Um, the non winner option, the second place is what I'm trying to say. Um, anyways, th that sucks, but at the same time, it's a great way to learn. That means that you were, you were sexy, like you were totally desirable, but there was somebody that edged you out just ever so slightly. Mm -hmm. Um, and usually the differential on that is soft skills. 
It's like soft skill experience. And I think one of the big things we forget is we kind of talk about engineers. Like I just did that, right? I just talked about traditional kind of engineers and stuff. So we have a lot of very super smart technical people in our industry. Technical from like supply chain management side, right? We have the total geeks that help us make everything kind of move and and kind of make shifts and make sure that we get things done appropriately and on cost and on budget and things along those lines. You have all of the finance and accounting people. I mean, they're technical in their own in their own right, right? And then you've got all of our environmental health and safety people. And those guys are total, you know, guys and gals, like they're totally like nerds about, you know, environmental health and safety elements. And so they nerd out hardcore in their technical skill set. Then we have people like you with communications and business and, you know, all of that kind of stuff on top of just the the perception of um, geology and geosciences and engineers. So we have a ton of really technically savvy people. Mm-hmm. The soft skills, man, the soft skills are what sell it. <laughs> Because you're going against all these other technical people like you. So how do you pick up on soft skills, right? But then how do you, but how do you sell that too? Um, So you sell that by really having a real conversation. (laughs) So don't be a robot. Like don't go in there. I mean, have all your backup documentation, but like don't go in there with like a spreadsheet of every single achievement. Be able to go in there with stories so that you can explain what, happened, why the need was there, how you helped with the need, and then talk about it as a real human, you know, and as a, as a person saying, Hey, like, you know, we were experiencing, um, you know, uh, massive production loss in this one field. Um, and it was a legacy asset and this is what we did. And this is the ideas that I brought to the table to help with that, you know? Um, and it becomes like a story you're telling at a bar or at a restaurant, um, with a group of people, instead of in a interview feel, right? And that's how you kind of sell the soft skills, right? Is to kind of showcase a little bit more of yourself in an authentic fashion and mm-hmm. have the dialogue. And yeah, let your like personality show. Um, I think people try to like tame it down to be what they think is an appropriate interviewee. And then they kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. I would agree. How do you manage when you can't see your per- the people you're managing face-to-face? That's so, so hard. Oh, it's... You're feeling it, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like we're we're feeling it with like Winco, right? Like yeah, exactly. Like we are missing yeah. like that that in person kind of communication style is totally different. I mean, Zoom's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm really grateful that this occurred during a Zoom life cycle instead of just with like you know like early like 1990s when we would when we be didn't all have the technology. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it would ew, that would have been brutal. Would yeah. have been a lot more brutal. I will say a quick side note about Zoom or any type of online meetings. I mean, it is nice to like, I look at myself in the Zoom meetings. I'm like, oh, I look like I've lost weight, you know? Like, <laughs> like, the angle's great. <laughs> the angles are great. And you can put the camera in whatever angle you want. And so, yeah, there is some benefits to it. I will there say are. <laughs> there are some benefits. And I, I mean, I don't want to just like be a, a broken record. There's a lot of stuff out there that you're going to see from like other recruiters like myself or, um, you know, kind of career coaches that says, you know, look decent in your zoom meeting, you know, um, and all of that kind of stuff. And you guys are smart. You guys know how to do that. Um, make sure that, you know, not just the looks, but make sure you engage Mm -hmm. on those like, uh, meetings, you know, raise your hand, ask questions, you know, be engaged while you're there. So try not to do the, the whole, like answer emails and multitask while you're also on the zoom call, because that's really where you're going to start to feel that like connection drop. Yep. And that's, that's not helping your kind of, it's not helping your case in that fashion. I would, that's one of the the issues I have is I am always a multitasker. And so I yeah. actually uh, struggle with Zoom and webinars because I realize like I'll have a webinar playing, but all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not even paying attention. Yeah, it's like, like the I'm, doom of the podcast where you have it in the background. You're totally listening to us fully and not listening guys, to anything else, I mean, right? We not doing work. Amazing, so. <laughs> You're not cleaning the floor, doing laundry folding, right? You're totally focused in. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, the, the fifth one that we have here, and you've already kind of alluded to it earlier, was how grace with yourself. So Mm -hmm. expand on that one a little bit, please. So I think people get really discouraged very quickly, right? So you might be applying to 50 and 100 jobs and like that alone, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. Like you're doing all of those damn applicant tracking system questions and things like that. And and it's tedious, right? Um, And you might find one or two that you're like per week, you're like, yeah, this is a really great job. I'm super excited about it. And then you don't hear back from it. 
Um, or you have an interview and maybe you don't get feedback on that interview or you have a phone screen and then you feel like you didn't do as best as you could have, you know, to represent yourself. It's okay. <laughs> it, it, it will shake out. And I think one of the big things to remember is I have this like theory in life that you always look at what was my problem 10 problems ago or five problems ago. And you realize that every time you've had a problem that has come up, you have figured out how to navigate it and you will figure out how to navigate each new one with your job search as it comes up. Yep. Yes, you might look back and say, God damn it, what was I thinking telling that story about, you know, something was completely inappropriate and I don't know why I brought it up or I totally didn't frame my relationship with my asshole boss well enough and, you know, like... <laughs> didn't make it positive. I didn't make it positive <laughs> enough. You yeah. know, you're going to have all of those moments and that's why it's really good to talk to somebody. So that's why, you know, don't go it alone, but like also have some grace. So talk to somebody test run those like tough questions, test run the things that you're hitting speed bumps on um, and get feedback, like real feedback on it. And then try your best and then say, you know, I gave it my all and that's it. And at the end of the day, you can come back every single day. And as long as you do the process, the outcome will come. You have always found a job. Mm -hmm. You're just looking for your next one. Right. And it just feels harder because it feels like everybody's going for the same job right now. Oh, it fucking sucks, right? Right. Like yeah. everything sucks. Like mm -hmm. it sucks. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It sucks on all fronts for everybody. And I feel for them. Like it really sucks. And I wish that, you know, HR and people like myself were better at communicating with larger quantities of candidates, but we're, we're learning how to navigate this too. Um, so my hope is that, you know, out of this, we can improve how we treat our, our applicants as well. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I think that we're missing the human touch, like the people touch that we used to have. Which so, is, oh, you know, it's also a factor of all this online stuff now. Oh, it totally yep, is. It's yeah. All, yeah. And, and that actually lets, leads into a few more questions that I have for you. Um, one, you know, we talked about this before. How do you make your resume stand out? when you know damn well that you're submitting it to a computer, meaning mm -hmm. somebody is filtering, some system is filtering through your resume. And if you don't have the right words in there enough times or whatever the algorithm is for mm -hmm. the search, you don't even get past, you don't even get the first interview. Like you don't get past that first round. Any tips you have on making your resume stand out for a computer system? Yeah, actually. So for many years, I mean, how many pages did you think that a resume needed to be? One. Yeah. I hate that idea. It doesn't work anymore in today's modern um, applicant tracking systems. One page was sufficient back in the day when you got to sit down and have a conversation after applying with somebody where you could fill in the details um, and provide some context. That doesn't exist anymore. So really what you're what you're looking to do is to provide as much detail relevant detail as possible. And I think for most people, a one page, um, you know, resume is great when you're starting out in your career, but most people after two or three jobs, you would not find it adequate to highlight the special value add of what it would be having, like, for example, Sally, like having Sally on the team, right? It, it's just not going to be sufficient. Um, and so providing really targeted details, um, you know, not just a job description that you had that you got hired on in each one of your past companies and copying and pasting it in. You're not going to find that helps you in this kind of search because like you mentioned, there's so much data and sorting that is happening on the front end before you actually get to talk to somebody mm -hmm. that to position yourself well, you really do need to look at some advice on how to get those details into your resume and you can't just shove them into white font on the margins <laughs> because like as soon as anybody opens up that resume and it doesn't match all of the keyword saturation that you're seeing in the applicant tracking system yes you got to you know have a look at your resume from that split second but if it does not match with what they're looking for in that role that's not really much of a value add for you mm -hmm. and so I mean it, it's a nice little trick but that people are promoting out there quite a bit right now but I also find it that it doesn't really help all that much if you don't put the detail into the actual resume. So you're going to look at like two to three pages probably for your resumes um, on that. Make sure that if there's progression changes on your resume, include those. Don't just put your current job. You know, did you go from, um, you know, a CAD drafter one to a CAD drafter two? 
or, you know, did you take a, a minor promotion during each one of your, your jobs? Make sure you have that career progression in there. A lot of people leave that out because they're trying to be succinct or they just want to save time or space. Put that in there because it shows that you are progressing in that organization. So you helped me with my resume and updating it. And one of the things that you gave great advice on was that a lot of people, especially with skills like mine, where it's communications, marketing, and it can transcend any industry, mm -hmm. you said to make sure to put like a little blurb about what that company does. Because if you, even if you're applying for mm -hmm. a company within the same industry, they may still have never heard of that company. Yeah. So doing a little summary of that. And then we put bullets of act, um, actual things that I did or, um, uh, what was that? Skills, et cetera, underneath. Mm -hmm. Is that a good way to format it or should it be paragraphs, paragraphs, paragraphs? Because I've seen both where people write their whole story under their job and it's like, ah, eh, that just bored me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Also not first person. Please don't do first person. That's terrible. <laughs> um, third person, please. Um, yeah, no, that's one of our biggest um, things. So kind of the rationale behind that, Sally, is, is kind of twofold. So if you think about it, most hiring, the first level of hiring managers tends to go through HR and HR has a value. Um, one of the things that we don't do well in HR typically, um, and this has always been kind of a value add for like Whitney and I with Iridium is like, we actually understand the technical aspects of the jobs that we're working on and how it all fits in. Like we read like engineering reports and, and shit, like we get nerdy, mm -hmm. but um, a lot of HR, they might not know the difference between a facilities engineer and somebody who works in facilities in a hotel, right? And there's definitely differences. So they're looking at keywords and that's it. And they also might not have the experience in, you know, who bought whom. Um, so you might have started out with Anna Darko. If you have Anna Darko in your resume, they might not know that Anna Darko was purchased with by Oxy this year. Right. Um, they might not know that they have only assets in these specific areas and the size of the company. And so if you only put the name of the company, you are now asking the, you're now losing the fact of the matter of two, not fact of the matter, but a way to have an opportunity to frame your story and what you did for that organization. Because if you did communications in your stance or from your instance for the Denver Petroleum Club, like you did previously, if you are not aware of how many members the Denver Petroleum Club had and how the organization was structured and all of that kind of stuff, then it you, may mean nothing to somebody. It means nothing. There's mm -hmm. you lost the value of what you did there. So make sure you include it. Um, but give some background. Like you're going to a cocktail party and somebody asks you, Oh, you work at extraction. Tell me about extraction. How are you gonna do that? Or you work at Noble, tell me about Noble, or you work at Whiting. Make sure you put those insights in there so that you get to frame the story. And it might be like you were part of a private equity group, right? Mm -hmm. And you came in on year one. You exited on year five. So you were there as one of the founding members and members in that team and helped build an entire land department. Well, you need to have that story instead of just being land manager at X. And I managed all of the, you know, the, the land administration department and all of the outside contractors. Well, what does that mean? How big was the organization and all of that? It's good detail to have. That's uh, excellent advice. And I just want to point out that should you need help, Kaylee is available for consulting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm here. Recruiting.com. Um, but before we move on to the, the next little piece, um, I do want to say that you and Whitney have done some great things with your Rare Approaches vignette videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're which fun. are available for free on your website, too. Yep. We'll put a link for those in the uh, episode notes. But it's all these different tips that they talk about. And we really, I really highly recommend going to listen to them because not only are they useful and valuable as a job seeker, but you guys are fucking funny. So it makes it cute. And We're fun. idiots. We have fun. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, I yeah. start with the outtakes video. Yeah, that, start outtakes <laughs> and you get to see us talk about nuts, I think all different kinds of peanuts and cashews and almonds because <laughs> no. I said something incorrectly and then I went on a nut tangent, which was really not useful probably for the jobs <laughs> or job seekers out there. But there, it's a great um, kind of resource. And then we also have a resume template download. So if you're looking to kind of revamp your resume that kind of has instructions on it, um, it's free. It's on our website. Go ahead and download it. Use it as a framework. Add your stuff into it and rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we've got our resume updated. We're ready, you know, we've, we're telling our story, we're ready to tell our story, and we're still stuck in COVID. How do you continue to network in this virtual world? It's hard. 
Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, guys. Um, Especially when you get zoomed out. Oh, right. right? Uh, <laughs> we were on a call like not too long ago. And one of the ladies on our calls is like, I have been on Zoom meetings for eight hours. I love you all, but I can't be on Zoom anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people are, are feeling that. Um, there's also some really great resources. So it's also there's a benefit to this as well. So the upside of the whole virtual experience is you will have access to people now way more than you would have in person. So for example, there are a lot of really great panels um, happening right now, panel discussions um, across our industry. Um, I mean, like we've hosted several with Women's Energy Network um, with like Vicki Halab and, um, you know, David Ramson Wood and, you know, uh, Tisha and all kinds of stuff. So, um, and one of the great things about that is a lot of them have breakout sessions afterwards where you can meet, um, kind of forced, um, meeting other people into a pod of like five, like bobbling heads in like, you know, little like rectangular screens and everybody stands there for like, or sits there for like a good two minutes being like, what the hell are we going to talk to each other about? Um, but if you introduce yourself, and tell them a little bit about your background and, you know, don't be shy and jump on in and ask questions about the people in your peer groups. There, there are people that are finding new job opportunities simply by participating in those kinds of forums. So, yeah, it's awkward at first, but once you get into it and you do a couple of them, it's a great way. And then all, a great way to kind of get rocking and rolling, even in the virtual world, to meet new potential um, job opportunities. Because um, most jobs are actually 70 percent of jobs are found through networking. Uh, yeah, I I just heard that stat too. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, because it's you know it's it's funny. I've always said it's who you know that gets you in the door. It's what you know that will keep you there. Correct, and how you do it. Right, because you could also be the most knowledgeable person, but if you're an asshole, mm, you're not gonna last very yeah, long. People will figure that out. Right they'll figure it out. So, yeah. um, so I would definitely say jump on some of these virtual um kind of sessions that are happening. SPE has been doing a ton of them. Um, a lot of um like RMAG's got a couple going on. There's but a- the best ones are clearly the when always ones. come to our when ones yes. and men are invited as well. We actually have had quite a few male participants mm-hmm. and. They have added quite a lot of dialogue into the the forum, so that's great. Um, and then ask questions. You know, if you are doing these um, webinars, you know, you know, type in chat and ask some questions and meet some other people and follow up afterwards. Connect on LinkedIn, provide some kind of nice, thoughtful note to follow up with. Um, you know, with outreach of some kind that makes sense that um, references this. You know, some kind of stat or information that you found intriguing that the speaker or the participant had during the session um, with an email. Make yourself, make yourself stand out. Totally make yourself stand out. And you can do that virtually. Like now it's more than more important than ever to have a LinkedIn profile and have it look approach, like approachable and have it look like you. You don't always have to be a hundred percent like old school professional with suit and tie. Like I am so not that person. Well, and, and that's a great uh, reminder to our listeners that we do have an episode of your personal brand that Waverly McDaniel, who's our marketing mm-hmm. director for Wenco, she um, did a great episode about what you should do and how you should beef up your social media presence because mm-hmm. or, and your online presence because people are looking. They are looking. And, you know, I think it's like 40% of all hiring managers check out your LinkedIn profile in tandem with your uh, resume. Which, why wouldn't they? Well, yeah, I mean, of course, you're going to Google the person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's really critical. We work with a lot of our clients um, just the same way. So Waverly is like a freaking you know rock star when it comes to like personal branding and making everything look amazing. We don't get that cool. So you might want to reach out to Waverly. Our stuff that we focus on, it tends to be more like messaging. Mm-hmm. So making sure that your messaging and your outreach, you are putting a clear, concise message out there saying I'm looking for this type of opportunity or these like three types of opportunities and these are the reasons why yeah and um, so having it be consistent I, I agree and I think that the the, t- the combination of you two of you and then Waverly like you have your message and then you make it look pretty with her so I, I would think uh, one more thing I want to talk about on the networking side is a little plug for Wenco is mm-hmm. you know during these times of you know, all this online virtual world, uh, sometimes these webinars or, you know, um, 
sessions can be a little intimidating. Like you said, your game broke out and you're like, oh, I don't know anybody on these screens. <laughs> but one thing that the Wenco had launched at the beginning of this year that's turning out to be really, really good is you have to be a member, but you can join one of our peer groups. Mm -hmm. And those are smaller groups. The, the intent before we went virtual was to have smaller groups of people that have similar interests so that when you go to a larger event, you're not like stuck in the corner figuring out like, who do I talk to? <laughs> you probably already know a handful or a dozen people from your peer group mm -hmm. that you then can interact with more easily and it helps break the ice more. So now that we've transitioned to the virtual world, I think these peer groups are more important than ever. They are. And and it, we have a couple of them. They're all on our website. We'll make sure to include that in the episode notes as well. But um, so far, like I have, I'm running one that's the lose five, gain five, which is lose five pounds, gain five friends. Um, and so we were focused uh, on more of the getting out, being active, how do we support each other that way, but also getting to know each other, which is really, really cool. So we mm -hmm. know what each other does, you know, if somebody's job hunting or not and keeping an eye out for that person. So it's been great. And you're leading real natural. So, um, we are a fly fishing group, so you don't have to know how to fly fish to join us. Um, but we are meeting, um, hopefully we haven't been able to meet recently, but, um, meeting, uh, both streamside and also do educational kind of stuff on, um, fly fishing for women here in, in town. That's also a great segue. I think the one thing that people forget in their job search is that you don't necessarily need to only do professional networking, like any kind of networking can be valuable. So, you know, running a 5k with Sally versus, you know, fly fishing and drinking a beer on the side of the stream. I mean, yours is more fun. I know. Uh, <laughs> the waiters are, are a little bit stifling yeah. in the summer, but they're so much fun. Um, yeah. So anyways, anything like that climbing or like going out and meeting other people that are reading books. I mean, we have a book club one that is, is great. Yeah. So those, those connections are valuable for your career and they might actually open doors that you never even knew existed. And I'd like to expand on that even more. Let's talk about like volunteering. So oh, yeah, great idea. Yeah. So one of the organizations that you and I both enjoy is Dress for Success. Mm -hmm. And I know you've done a lot of work with them. Lots of interview coaching. Yeah, yeah. which is great. And so for those that don't know, um, there is um, Dress for Success offers programs to women specifically that need help in finding a job. Mm -hmm. So whether it's providing them with outfits for an interview, whether it's like you just said, the coaching uh, job coaching. And then I know that there's another, there's a leadership side of it mm -hmm. as well, um, that they have for their program. But, um, you know, whether you volunteer on a one-off day with them, or if you're on a committee or you're doing long-term stuff like Kaylee did with the job coaching, it's just a great way to get out there and meet people, you know, sometimes in your industry, but a lot of people not in your industry, which I think is also great because that could be that person that helps you with the next step or oh, yeah. gives you that, um, unbiased, or the, the biased feedback, I right. unbiased, <laughs> unbiased, <laughs> unbiased, feedback. unbiased, yeah. uh, you know, unfiltered, you made, <laughs> right? Because somebody like could be looking at your resume and be like, I don't understand what this means. Well, then that's an indicator of, Hey, well, maybe I need to explain this better. So clarify it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we spend a lot of time clarifying things because you know, when you're in it, you obviously like know what you did, but it's really hard to articulate what you did in a convincing, meaningful manner. And so that's why it, it, it takes some work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hang in there. You're probably going to revise that resume. It's going to be your most hated document. Nobody enjoys a resume. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, very few people like talking about themselves. Uh, yeah, no, it's so awkward. Mm -hmm. I hate talking about myself. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like I'm terrible at it. Um, so yeah, and, and the volunteer side of it really helps you kind of build that network. Mm -hmm. Um, dress for success is a great group. Like they, they do so much. And plus you kind of get to fill your own cup by helping somebody else. Right. So that's a nice benefit. Well, and it goes back to your stat that you rattled out earlier about 70% of job seeker jobs that you get are because of somebody, you know, and they're not from your first connections. I think that's one big thing that people forget is it's your secondary connections that are actually most valuable. So your first connections know you and they have a similar tribe to yours. Mm -hmm. So it's one layer out. So that's why these like peer groups and, you know, volunteering is so important is because it widens that secondary connection um, a lot more. And um, it actually helps with recommendations for jobs significantly more because there's less of a like, oh my God, if I if I recommend Sally for this and she doesn't like it, is she going to still want to have rosé with me at like 1030 in the morning? Um, uh, by the way, it's a Sunday, so it's not like during a work day. But yeah, way, okay, yeah, right Sunday, sorry. <laughs> Sunday brunch hour. So, yeah. um, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, there's a lot more risk with your first connections. And so you'll see them be a little bit more hesitant to do recommendations, still ask for it mm -hmm. um, for opportunities. But you're going to find that 
the most willing participants are going to be secondary connections. So before we head into the personal questions and speed round about you, Kaylee, are there anything, any other tips or tricks that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, big one. Practice being yourself. It's so weird to say to practice to be you. But when you get into new environments, make sure that you've kind of gotten comfortable talking about what's important to you, your background and and showcasing like your weird quirks. Um, those need to come out, especially if you get more uncomfortable doing that, then your interviews will go way smoother and you'll feel better about your interview at the end of it. Um, so that's important. Awesome. Thank you so much. So as I mentioned, fun fact, speed round. Ooh, sweet. Yeah. I hope you're ready for this. Totally ready. All right. So not. Uh, texting or talking? Totally talking. I'm like the worst responder in text messages sometimes, but I like the hybrid. I talk for a living to people <laughs> all day. That's all I am. I'm on the phones every day. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I feel like talking sounds so old school, but I actually like it now too. So mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, favorite concert? Recently, I went to Ryan Bingham. And that was fun, although I didn't like his cowboy hat. It was it was too white and shiny. I was like, dude, he's supposed to be like West Texas, like, you know, grungy dude. And that's what I found sexy. But yeah, no, the white hat. No, now he's like urban cowboy. He's an urban cowboy. And I was like, that <laughs> killed it, man. Totally killed it. Great music, though. So, yeah, it's about the music. It's about the music. The, yeah. You just have to close your eyes a lot. But it, it didn't, you know, have the same sexual appeal to it. <laughs> uh, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I think just keeping to be scrappy, like I think, you know, just adjust with every single thing that you do. Like you're, you know, take any opportunity you can and you're going to learn from that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, if the doors open, you know, explore. Three words to brand yourself. Awkward listener and connector. So I like I spend most of my day listening to people's life stories and that's what fills my cup and helping them with that. So and then as we know, this this whole um our whole theme for this year is about resiliency. So mm -hmm. what gives you resiliency? Just helping people. Like I, I love getting the opportunity to work with companies and have them say, oh my God, we're having a really hard time. We can't find the right person. And then having that right person be somebody that I can help them be introduced to and build the bridge. And then hearing on the other side, I was like, oh my God, this is like the best job. Like that, that's great. I love that. Like, the money's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But like the, the feeling of having somebody have like a new start is awesome and being part of it. So yeah, that feels my up. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss the next episode. And if you like this one, please rate and review it. And don't forget to keep in touch with us on social media by searching when Colorado on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And until next time, stay resilient.